Thank you, Pastor Peter. And thank you, Joseph, for leading us in worship. Shalom to Gracians and all guests who are with us today. Welcome to our church online. Over the last two weeks, Pastor Wilson has been sharing on the importance of discipleship. He started with a sermon on discipleship that begins with, From me to others. That as the disciples of Jesus, we have entered into a new life that causes radical transformation. A transformation that takes place on a spiritual continuum, progressing over time from exploring Christ to growing in Christ, from growing in Christ to close to Christ, and from close to Christ to Christ-centered. It is so important that Christ is always the goal, the example, and motivation for our discipleship journey. It is from me to others, because as we grow as disciples of Christ, we will desire to help others become His disciples too. And that's why the core track in our Grace Discipleship Framework is not aimed at helping Gracians to just become disciples, but to move on to become disciple-makers, thus fulfilling the Great Commission. Then last week, Pastor Wilson spoke on discipleship, that is from head to hands. That God's Word has the power to transform us into Christ-likeness, not just in our thinking and understanding, but in every area of our lives. This transformation is to be captured holistically in the five key growth areas of knowing, walking, relating, serving, and sharing. He showed from the Gospel of John how discipleship needs to move from the acquisition of Bible knowledge, the head, to real-life applications, the hands, from abiding in Christ to loving one another and bearing the fruit of the Holy Spirit, of good works and righteousness before others, and of sharing the gospel with pre-believers so that they too can begin their journey of exploring Christ. With that quick recap, let me now continue with the last sermon of our three-part series on discipleship. A five-year-old sitting in the congregation was playing with an iPad during the sermon. Somehow the preacher's voice uh, triggered Siri, Apple's voice assistant. And she responded aloud saying, Sorry, I do not understand what you are saying. We hope that thus far, what we have been saying about discipleship has not met with the same response. But thank you for praying for the Grace Discipleship Institute, or GDI for short. I don't know if you remember that I asked for your prayers as I, an old hat, took on this new ministry hat. I said the task of GDI is to make something as complex and multidimensional as discipleship into something simple. And I mentioned that my gift was quite the opposite. I have the knack for making simple things complicated. And so by the grace of God, buffered by your prayers, we were able to come up with three tracks and only three to encapsulate our discipleship framework. The last two weeks were on our core track, which is the disciple maker track. This track applies to all believers, whatever the age and stage. The goal is the same, that we become disciple-makers for the Lord wherever and whoever we are. Today, I'm touching on the second track, which is the life stage track, covering discipleship from cradle to grave. Quite a morbid title, right? But the alternative was from womb to tomb, which was not that much different. The big idea for our sermon today is that as disciples of the Lord, we need to navigate through each and every life stage with a biblical perspective. While the disciple-maker track is more systematic and process-oriented discipleship, addressing specific spiritual growth needs in the four segments, 
this life stage track is more situational and needs-oriented discipleship, addressing special circumstances and challenges that arise at a particular developmental stage of the individual, right from infancy to late adulthood. In the Disciple Maker track, we handle timeless truths. In the life stage track, we impart timely truths. It is asking, what would Jesus do in this situation? What would Jesus do when confronted by the temptation to cheat in business or in an exam? Or to compromise one's conviction in the face of peer pressure or bullying? To choose popularity over the path of social distancing that results from proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ and not social distancing due to the COVID-19? Do we choose to first help the needy or feed our, our personal comfort? In each of these situations, what or who is informing us on the right course of action? For believers in the Lord, it has to be more than best practices and industry standards. We have to come back to God's Word as our rule for life. Praise God that all of us are enrolled in God's school of life, whatever our age. This is called the school of lifelong learning. Admission is free. The only criterion is that you must be born. It's our first class, lifelong learning. It doesn't matter if we consider ourselves academically inclined or not. We're all in this class of life. This is our first and last class. Let's read Ecclesiastes 12, verse 1 and 7. Verse 1 says, Remember your Creator in the days of your youth, before the days of trouble come and the years approach when you say, I find no pleasure in them. Verse 7, And the dust returns to the ground it came from, and the Spirit returns to God who gave it. Between verse 1 and 7 is a poetic depiction of a life on its last legs, gradually winding down. The eyes have grown dim, the ears dull, the molars are no more lah. The hair has thinned and the frame failed. But even though energy is depleted with age, there is an upside. The increase of experiential and proven wisdom. That's what Ecclesiastes in his old age wants to exhort us. Don't let your life slip you by. Remember your Creator and serve Him when you are young and still have the vigour of life. It will pass sooner than you expect. And time lost cannot be regained. It is in the dash between your date of birth and your date of death where life happens. And life is our first and primary class. Lifelong learning means that as long as we have life, that means we are still breathing, we will be learning. We all can be discipled in the seasons of our lives because the world is God's classroom and our life experiences His curriculum. Our circumstances are not accidental or haphazard, but are providentially cues and clues in our discipleship lessons in guiding us to the purposes of God, our Creator. Neil Postman, the professor, educator, and social critic in his book, The End of Education, cautioned that without a narrative, life has no meaning. Without meaning, learning has no purpose. Now praise God that our learning has purpose because in Christ our lives have newfound meaning given by a purposeful Creator that even when we may not be able to trace His hand in this pandemic, we can still trust 
his heart. That God in his goodness and infinite wisdom brings us through every season, including this, to mold us to be like Christ, his son. There is indeed a storyline from chapter to chapter where all our individual life stories meet with his story, that grand narrative of redeeming humankind and restoring the world through Christ. The psalmist says in Psalm 37 and verse 23, the Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. Hence, whether we're in school, working or retired, whether going through kindergarten, adolescence, midlife or twilight years, our lives are not meaningless meanderings, but powerfully purposeful because our God is intimately involved in every detail. Can I hear an amen? And Jesus himself has provided us a resident teacher. John 14, 26, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. So no matter what your season and situation of life is, you can seek his spirit of wisdom, understanding, counsel, and knowledge as to how to navigate through life from a biblical perspective. And so in our life stage track, we want to start each one on this lifelong journey mindset by catering to the different needs from cradle to grave, from the very young to the very not so young. So young people, don't be impatient. Don't brush aside the advice of those who are older just because they are. Remember, old is gold. And time in God's hand is an irreplaceable instructor. Or you may say, Pastor, I'm well past my prime. My time of schooling is over. But we do not have the privilege of graduating from this school of life. This is always our first and last class. Lifelong learning has purpose and meaning precisely because we have the right context. That as long as we have breath, our good God has lessons for us to master. Although Ecclesiastes declares that there's nothing new under the sun, you can still teach an old dog new tricks just as you can teach a new dog old tricks. It's not possible for us to stop learning just as it is impossible to master every trick in the book. May God help us not to sit around, biding our time, kicking our legs, watching the world and our life go by. Life is like a vapor that goes poof and then it vanishes. So whatever our age, let us live and learn and pass on the precious faith lessons and wisdom we have acquired to others after us. From prenatal to our golden years, the life stage track caters to the entire span of human life because we need to navigate well each and every season with a biblical perspective. In this life stage track, the second thing we want to consider is this. What are we primarily studying? So let's look at our first subject, which is self-discovery. Our first subject is not the three R's of reading, writing, and arithmetic, which is not really helpful if you're learning how to spell because not every, every one of those starts with an R. Now the four C's of collaboration, creativity, communication, and critical thinking. Yes, these are among the basic skills needed to thrive in the world today. But despite that, and without sounding uh, over, overtly self-centered, 
the first subject to learn to navigate through each and every life stage is you. Yes, you. Listen to the psalmist. Psalm 139, verse 14. He says, I praise you, referring to God, because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. This life stage track helps you to discover for yourselves who God has made you to be. That you are wonderfully and lovely, lovingly woven under the watchful eye of our Heavenly Father. That you are one in 7.8 billion. Your uniqueness can't be overstated. And that's not the end of how amazing you are as God's creation. During the circuit breaker, Linda and I watched a documentary, Life's Greatest Miracle. It tells us that only one out of 300 million sperms make it through the arduous journey to fertilize the egg. And each sperm carries a unique genetic package. Now, I'm neither a biologist nor a mathematician, but it will appear that the odds of any one of us existing right now is truly staggering. You are not a random result of chance. You are an ordained creation of God. The psalmist says that God has written in his book all the days ordained for you, those that have passed and those that are still ahead. From the moment of your birth, you are uniquely you. Your personality, your concerns, your dreams, your interests, your gifts. This special mix requires special attention in order for you to grow in all these respects. We may not be able to provide you with all the equipping needed, but we can help you discover the training and equipping that you would need and provide the affirmation and encouragement for you to be all that God has envisioned and created you to be. Yet from PSLE on, you are being prepared for your place in the workforce. Your life stages will unfortunately be narrowly defined as preparing for work, working, more work, and post-work. But Paula Ferris, ABC News correspondent and this year's Global Leadership Summit speaker, offers this helpful antidote. She says, your worth isn't your work. Your value isn't in your vocation. And your calling isn't your career. In the same light, let me quote again from Neil Postman. He says, at its best, schooling can be about how to make a life, which is quite different from how to make a living. The life stage track helps you to discover this multidimensional, multi-complex, and multifaceted life that you were meant to fulfill. And when we do it well, we will help you make a life and not just a living. It doesn't matter if you're single and all of us start as singles or married. And all of us married at some time will revert to being single, either widowed or widowed. Surely not something we look forward to, but whatever state, we must never stop discovering God's call upon our life. And according to Pascal, this is the God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every man, 
each and every man, which cannot be satisfied by any created thing, but only by God the Creator, made known through Jesus Christ. That means nothing else, not our work, our spouse, our family, or even ministry can fill this void and vacuum apart from God, our Creator. Only He can perfectly define who we are supposed to be. By God's grace, I have had the privilege of serving in a full-time capacity for the last 36 years. And this may come as a surprise, but it wasn't that long ago that I began to realize what God's calling on my life might really be. You see, this road to self-discovery never stops. Every day you can learn something about who you ought to be in God. And everyone is called to make a difference in this world for Christ and not just be a, a passing statistic. This life stage track equips you by enabling you to mix and match courses in a timely fashion that suit your unique calling and contribution to the kingdom of God. Don't lose who you are in God while pursuing your dreams and following your heart. Remember that your Creator alone knows your destiny. Allow Him the freedom to decide and to dictate for you your growth path. Never compare yourself unfavorably with others. You are already the best version of yourself to date. Can you excel and improve? For sure. That's what the life stage track is here for. Never compare what others need to do with what you need to do in order to equip yourself for the work that God has called you specially to. Only God knows the pressure, the temperature, and the stress that is designed to make you the precious gem that you are today. Frederick Bickner in his book, Wishful Thinking, says this, The place God calls you to is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. We all need to find in us that place of deep gladness. For when we find that, not only do we find the place God has destined for us, but to find at the same time the need we were created to meet. Carve out time to reflect and consider all the days of your life thus far. Perhaps when you look back, you will realize that God Almighty was with you when you had to get out of the boat to walk on water, when you faced Goliath, when you crossed your Red Sea, and when you were stuck in the valley, or when you had to scale the mountain that stood in your way. You will discover that you are already on some sort of life stage track. You only need to be aware and to appreciate them as your life's discipleship and defining moments. Finally, how and when does one begin on this life stage track? Well, we begin with our first responders, the home team. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 to 7. Verse 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. First responders are specialized personnel at the scene of crisis, such as accidents or emergencies, who provide basic life support and immediate medical assistance. To this group of police, firefighters, frontline workers, and paramedics, I will add parents. When Adam was created, God pronounced that it was not good for him to be alone. So Eve was created. But ever since then, 
No person is brought into this world alone. The baby would normally have a nuclear family to welcome him or her to planet Earth. Deuteronomy 6 verse 7 says, uh, the responsibility of discipleship is squarely on the shoulders of parents because they are the child's first responders. They may not be well-trained, they may not have good parental examples to follow after, and they will certainly make mistakes, but they are the most suitable disciple-makers of their children. We definitely have a home team advantage. Sometimes it may seem that we focus on marriage and family at the expense of singleness. Why is marriage and family so important in the discipleship of the church? Because discipleship must begin at home. The family is the place where values, beliefs, and practices are first formed and passed on from one generation to the next. Home-based discipleship is where enculturation and transmission of values, norms, and mores take place. In our world today of social media and with its ease of accessibility, children are becoming more like adults faster than ever before, perhaps even faster than they are able to cope. At such a young and impressionable age, it is even easier for them to confuse misinformation with truth. It is imperative then that we instill in our children to impress upon them a love for God with all their heart, with all their soul, with all their strength, and for God's Word to be upon their hearts so that they can stand against prevalent opinions and prevailing principles that contradict both the nature and the commandments of God. Because I'm a first-generation Christian, all my discipleship happened in church. But that should not be the only, nor the first place for the discipleship of our children. Home-based discipleship to many may sound unnatural and daunting. I understand. Are we going to have formal classrooms at home? Already the COVID-19 had parents tearing their hair out trying to work from home while temporarily homeschooling their children. How else are we supposed to disciple our children? Paul tells us in Ephesians 6 verse 4, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Well, exasperated parents will exasperate their children. So the best mode of instruction is not by indoctrination or laying down comprehensive rules and strict regulations, but by imitation. It's how children learn, like a sponge soaking up every little detail, the good, the bad, and the ugly. When I was young, I observed my mom smoking her cigarettes, which looked kind of cool. Of course, curiosity got the better of me. One time when no one was looking, I took a cigarette stub that was still lit from the ashtray and took a strong puff. Some of you can guess what happened next. I was coughing so badly and I tried so hard to stifle the coughs to avoid being found out. Well, thank God it was a terrible experience and that was my last encounter with cigarettes. The injunction, don't do what I do, but do what I tell you to do, never works at home. We are copycats. At home, we have to show before we can tell. We must first demonstrate and live out what we want to see in our children. They love to model after us. It's in their nature and DNA. Someone said children are great imitators. So let's give them something great 
to imitate. So parents, both biological and spiritual, don't miss this opportunity of a lifetime of pouring yourselves out onto the lives of the young ones under your care. As you work hard to furnish them with the necessities of life, don't neglect the passing on of your Christian faith. Help them to navigate their life stages biblically. Every new generation in the Lord should grow more faithful, more pure, more fruitful, more surrendered to God's will, and more determined and committed to the furtherance of His kingdom in this world. Because I lost my father in an in, in auto accident when I was nine, I didn't get much of the benefits of being fathered. When I became a believer of Christ, what I learned about fatherhood was through my relationship with my heavenly father. And through books like Gordon MacDonald's uh, The Effective Father, which is now a 40-year-old publication. Why did I bother? Because of Malachi 2.15, which reads, Has not the one God made you? You belong to Him in body and spirit. And what does the one God seek? Godly offspring. So be on your guard and do not be unfaithful to the wife of your youth. From this verse, I understood that God desires godly offspring. And because He desires godly offspring, it was my responsibility to be faithful to my wife and our joint responsibility as parents to disciple our children in the Lord. As parents of a pastor's kid, we couldn't help but feel that our daughter growing up might have had to deal with unrealistic expectations. On top of the reality that we could not afford a lot of the normal uh, luxuries. But praise God, she often reminds us that she didn't feel she lacked anything growing up. Amen. We are not perfect parents and we don't have to be. We need just to be the first responders of her discipleship. God's faithfulness will pro provide the rest in whatever we may else lack. So our job as parents is to prepare our children as best as we can to reach their fullest potential with the resources we have so that they can discover for themselves the calling of God for their life. Paul's method of discipleship works for adults as well as children. In 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, he says, Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Note that Jesus didn't say, Teach them to memorize all that I commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. What he did say was, Teach them to obey, observe, keep, and follow my commandments. While memorization of scripture has its strengths, the goal of discipleship is not memorization, but actualization of God's word. This is best done not by mere instruction, but by careful imitation. Our living example must mirror and reinforce our verbal exhortations. The live stage track ensures that home-based discipleship is an intentional and involved participation of both the family and the church community. That's why in our baby dedications, we dedicate both the biological, which is the immediate and extended families, and the spiritual, which is the church family, to the same task and responsibility of raising the child in the way of the Lord. And that's why under the life stage track, we provide a host of tools to help parents navigate well home-based discipleship. Parents, grandparents, or even great-grandparents, you are our home team, the children's first responders. 
if this pandemic has taught us anything, is this, discipleship must begin at home. Amen? Intentional discipleship is how we, Grace Assembly, will be more people, more like Jesus. The Grace Discipleship Framework outlines how we will get there. This life stage track is key because it covers discipleship from cradle to grave, focusing on lifelong learning, how God is shaping us in each and every season of life, continual self-discovery, living out God's calling in full, and home-based discipleship, the role of the home team in raising godly generations one child at a time. There is no juncture in our life that the input and intervention of God's word and principles are not needed. Together, let us commit to navigating well each and every life stage with a sound biblical perspective. If anyone listening is stirred by the Holy Spirit and wants to explore contributing to the Grace Discipleship Framework, come and say hello to me at Meet the Preacher after this closing prayer. Let us pray. Our Father, we praise You that You are a purposeful Creator. All that happens to us is not uh, by accident, but is powerfully intentional in shaping us to be more like Your Son, uh, Jesus Christ. In Your economy, nothing is wasted. Both the good experiences as well as the bad, and even our deepest disappointments can turn out to be Your divine appointments. Permit the Holy Spirit to teach us uh, at every stage of our life so that we will not say that we are too young or too old to learn in your school of life. Let us continue to discover who we are supposed to be, who we are meant to be, who we are made to be in you. So that as we discover the deep gladness in us, we will also find that that is the place where the world's deep hunger can be met. And if we are a parent listening to this, whether biological uh, or spiritual, let us commit ourselves to the task of daily discipling the young ones that you have placed in our care, so that each subsequent generation will begin to image God, to reflect God, to mirror God with greater uh, clarity and with increasing accuracy. Bless and use, Lord, the Grace Discipleship Framework to enable us to be more like Jesus Christ, from us to others, from head to hands, and from cradle to grave. We ask all this in Jesus' wonderful name. Everyone said, Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. We've come to the end of the series on discipleship. Join us again next week online, where we'll be having our guest speaker, Pastor David Dory. God bless you. See you.